Good morning, everyone, and you're welcome. <laughs> yes, can't unsee that once you, once you see it. Um, we are continuing our bad advice series, and the big idea is, uh, you might be saying to yourself, why would I want bad advice? Well, truthfully, you don't want bad advice. You don't. But if we were to be honest, many of us and many people we know live our lives in a way that actually looks like we're living based on bad advice. So what we're doing in this message series is we're taking some really bad advice about some really important themes and then looking at what God's word has to say. So we'll give some bad advice, then we'll try to flip it, and uh, we'll see if, if doing, by doing that we can make a difference. Uh, so once upon a time there was a guy, he was a carpenter. Um, his name was Gunner, um, like in the Icelandic saga, if anyone's familiar with that one. Um, and he was actually hammering a nail. He fell off of the ladder, and through a freak accident, the nail stuck in his arm, and as he was trying to catch himself, he actually hammered the nail into his own arm, <laughs> right, in, right into the bone. Um, several hours away from civilization, he was working in a remote area, and so he had some painkillers, he had some ointment, he kind of tried to clean up around the room, he took some painkillers and said, well, I'll just deal with this later. He tried to pull it out, he couldn't quite get it himself, and so he just left it there. And uh, he just lived that way for a long time, for months. Every few hours, he would take some painkiller, just to take care of the, uh, the pain of the nail. Uh, just never really got around to getting rid of it um, and lived happily ever after. <laughs> it's a story about Gunner. Uh, so today we're talking about addiction. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to pass out the, the, uh, the Oreos and comic relief. And, and what I want to do is we're going to put some Oreos on the table with some ice cold milk. And what I want you to do is I want you to not eat the Oreos, <laughs> right? Just let them sit there. Uh, at some point, they will actually burst into song. Just ignore that singing. Um, they'll say, eat me, eat, and, and there'll be music accompanying. Like, I, I want you to not think about breaking the Oreo in half and uh, eating. And, oh, by the way, they're double stuffs just because I'm a little bit more evil than Dwayne. Um, so don't, don't think about the creamy center. Don't think about breaking them apart. And especially do not consider at all, just put it out of your mind, dunking them into the ice cold milk and have them get really soft and, and then eating the Oreo. Just don't, just don't think about it. Just, just let it go. Just let them sit there for, for a while and uh, we'll, we'll think about addiction. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this. <laughs> yeah, you won't remember anything about this term, but you'll remember the Oreos, by the way. Um, it says this, I have the right to do anything because there's a lot of freedom that we have in Christ. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And sometimes we don't even realize that we are mastered by something. See, when we think about addiction, we tend to think about the extreme cases, the heroin addict who empties the family account to get the next fix. And certainly that is real. It is. It's very bad for us. But often addiction comes. Often it comes in the form of something neutral or even fine, and it slowly develops a hold on us and our lives that isn't healthy. Not all addictions are equally harmful and destructive, at least not at first, right? At least on the surface level, coffee, less bad than heroin. I think we can all agree to that. But <laughs> I've come to realize as, we, as I've dug into this this week that if we let something really get a hold of our life, it doesn't matter what it is, it's destructive to our souls. And it can be really, really dangerous. The workaholic, right, he looks good. He, we actually laud that guy. He makes a lot of money. He's called a success. That guy's in the Hall of Fame. That's the guy that we're writing books about. But looking at this and looking at it through God's word, I think it can be deadly. It can be crippling. 
in terms of the life that God wants us to have and in terms of a healthy spiritual life. The children of the workaholic need their dad more than they need a bigger house, (laughs) right? And it's a bad trade. It's a bad trade. So let's just talk about some things that people are addicted to. People that I personally know are addicted to this. Uh, Caffeine. I know a guy that literally cannot start his day without an entire pot of coffee. (laughs) If he does not drink his pot of coffee, he gets an unbelievable caffeine headache and he can't function for four to six hours until it goes away. He has to have coffee. I mean, coffee, it's like, you know, can't start his day without a giant headache unless he has his coffee. Um, Smoking, I mean, everybody knows smoking is addictive. And let me just say, let me just be clear. Smoking will not, send you to hell, but it will make you smell like you've been for a visit, <laughs> right, right, right. Smoking may not send you to hell, but it may send you to hell or heaven a little earlier than you would have gone. Otherwise, it's not good for us. Um, social media, right, put down the phone. I, I can't miss the next cat video. There might be one now. Oh my goodness, it's a cat video. Yay, there might be one right now. Sometimes we need to put down the phone and slowly back away, right? Um, I know people that are very worked up on appearance. I'm probably one of those people. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, everybody, I'd like overweight and dress like a hobo. I'm probably not addicted to my appearance. But I do know some people that live extremely healthy, haven't had a carb in 10 years, but it gets to the point where it owns them, right? They've got to work out four hours a day or they, go, they get a little crazy and they get, they get a little nuts. And instead of them owning a healthy part of life that I need to own a lot more, it owns them and controls them. What about drugs? Maybe prescription drugs. We have a surgery. We use Percocet for the recovery. It continues, and now somebody needs it to get by. I know a guy whose medical practice was destroyed through no kidding addiction to Percocet. Porn? (laughs) You say porn out loud? The the statistics on porn are literally horrifying. The numbers continue to grow. It's free. Anybody who has a device can get porn of any size, shape, or fashion. Uh, tanning. <laughs> I knew a girl in college. I literally, heard, I literally heard her say this. I'm going to go, quote, quote, work on her inner ankles in terms of the tanning. <laughs> I was like, yeah. She already looked like a suitcase. I mean, she had already arrived. She was tanned. I mean, she was there. She'd already, good job. Uh, but she's going out to tan some more. Um, the good news for, for some of us in the room, video games, uh, surprisingly, are not addictive at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, they are a brilliant use of time and money and the false sense of accomplishment you get from stupid stuff on a screen is actually really healthy in every single way. <laughs> that's, good, that's good news for me and for the other people. I'm just saying the aliens are not going to shoot themselves, right? So you have to, uh, not addictive at all, not a waste of time. <laughs> it's a good thing Karen's not here. She would actually come at me with something sharp right now, but okay. Uh, shopping, right? Some people addicted to shopping. Amazon Prime, you can just click on it. Yay. It's like, look how much money I saved. Oh, buying things I don't need with money I don't have. But look, it was a terrific sale. I mean, look at that. It's great. Yeah. Sometimes it can take control of us and, and uh, gather our impulses in a bad way. What I want you to do is while the Oreos are looking at you silently, quietly, waiting to be eaten, ponder if anything is pulling in your life in a way that is unhealthy, in a way that controls you instead of you controlling it. And while you ponder, let's look at some really bad advice. Because sometimes you wake up in the morning and you just think, you know what, my life is really good. It's like, I, there's just a lot of really good pieces and I want to jack that up as completely <laughs> and as thoroughly as possible. And so here's some, bad, here's some bad advice to let you do that. So four pieces of bad advice for addiction. Here's number one. Don't ever admit that you have a problem. Whenever you start to think that you have a problem, deny it. Deny it. Just nip it. Do, do not accept it. Deny it. Because Jeremiah 3.13 says this. It says, 
only acknowledge your guilt, that you rebelled against the Lord your God and committed adultery against him by worshiping idols. Don't follow that advice. Don't admit it. Just tell yourself, if you might have a problem, you can quit at any time. If everyone else tells you that, especially family, friends, people close to you that are smarter than you that you trust, do not believe them. If they tell you they have a problem, don't believe it. Don't listen. Distance yourself from those people immediately uh, and don't ever let those who care about you uh, make, make your life better in that, in that sort of way. You want to make excuses, right? Make excuses. Tell yourself that you're a victim, that you're powerless to change. It's just the way you are. It's just the way God made you. And besides, it's not that big of a deal. It's really not, it's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting anybody. It's a victimless crime. Uh, you don't really have a problem. Don't ever admit you have a problem. Second piece of bad advice for addiction is this. Gratify all fleshly desires immediately, right? All fleshly desires immediately. Paul told the people in Galatians this. It's Galatians 5. He says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the, of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. So Christ followers, we have to say, shut up flesh, I'm not listening to you, but if you want to become an addict, don't listen to what the Spirit of God says. The Spirit of God will convict you, he will lovingly draw you toward life, he'll draw you away from stuff that'll hurt you, and you have to say, no, 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 I'm not going to rehab, (laughs) I will do what my flesh wants. So do what you want, gratify your fleshly desires, if you see something your flesh wants, buy it, eat it, grab it, smoke it, chase it, right? I mean, you know, just like, go for it. And then make sure that you have access to whatever you're addicted to. Make sure the Oreos are within reach. Make sure the milk is ice cold and in a cup and that it's right there. Just make sure everything is is right there. It's great advice if you want to be an addict. Never admit you have a problem. (laughs) Gratify fleshly desires. Number three is this. Keep it a secret. Don't tell anyone. Especially people who care for you and love you the most and who are willing to support you. Because Proverbs 28 says this. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So if you hide it, you'll be, you won't be blessed or prosper. And that's the goal if you want to mess up your life. Avoid it at all costs. On the other hand, the one who does this, they confess and renounce their sin, they find mercy. We do not want any part of that. No mercy, we do not want it. Remember this, sin grows best like mushrooms. It grows best in the dark. That's where you want to keep it. You don't want any light coming in on the struggle. You want to battle it. You don't want to tell anyone else about it, especially annoying Jesus followers. They're the worst. They'll pray for you. They'll encourage you. They'll try to hold you accountable. They'll lift you up. Don't have any time for that craziness and nonsense, right? Just, you don't want any part of that if you want to keep your addiction. Keep it away from the thing that you idolize. And like Miss Winehouse, you don't need rehab. Never. No, no, no. Right? It's only for people who want to get well, not you. You don't need that. You're going to keep it a secret. So bad advice for addiction. Don't admit any problem. Gratify all fleshly desires. Keep it a secret. And the last one is this. Depend on your own power. Never, ever depend on God's power. Only depend on your power because you are very powerful. Turns out you're very, very powerful. Okay. <laughs> Dwayne's right. This is kind of hard to do. It's like preaching on opposite day. It's like, you know, the, the bad advice, you know, saying things that you would, that are horrifying. Uh, so uh, let's, let's take a, let's take a break. Let's take a beat. Everyone release the Oreos, have some Oreos and milk. Let's, uh, let's just relax if you haven't already. 
already eaten them. And look, there they go. It's like, it's like shark week. It's like chum in the water. <laughs> it's like nom, 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 nom. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a quick look at God's word and see if there is another path for dealing with things that might addict us. 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3 through 5 says this. For though we live in the world, all its issues and problems is just part of living here, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here's the thing about addiction. Addiction is a symptom. It's almost never the cause. It's almost never the thing. There's something standing behind the thing. I had a, a good friend of mine when I, when I lived in Oklahoma. Uh, shall remain nameless, but he was a, a very healthy guy. Worked out, and he was a monster. He was like a body, bodybuilder big. He was just gigantic, incredibly strong. The stuff he could do in a weight room was just terrifying. He was just a monster. Um, and I remember he was telling me one day, he said, he said, man, I had this dream. I had this really weird dream. I had this dream that I was small and weak. And I, I, I couldn't, I just didn't have, I, I was just small and weak and I couldn't do anything about it. And, and no matter what I did, it didn't change. I was, I was weak. And he said, and I was so scared. He said, I was so afraid. He said, I woke up in a sweat, in a cold sweat, and I was literally scared to death. I just had such, this is this, as most, the biggest piece of fear that I've ever experienced in my life. And it was one of those moments. <laughs> Certainly can't take any credit for this, but I just saw it. And I just asked him a question. I said, <laughs> this will sound odd, but can I ask you a question? Um, did your dad hit you when you were a kid? When you were little? And he looked like that I had hit him. <laughs> I mean, he just, his face, he looked, the blood literally drained out of his face and he said, I said, yeah, he really did. And I just said, at some point, did you make the decision that you were never, ever going to be in that situation again? Were you going to be afraid like that? Because, dude, there are, there are people that could physically, you know, beat you down. <laughs> but at this point, as big and as strong and as just physically powerful as you are, and he actually was a trained security guy, I said it would take a Navy SEAL, or, you know, it's gonna, it would take, you know, Bruce Lee or somebody, you know, of that, like, there is literally nobody on earth that could beat you like a man beats a child. And he just went, whoa. And what was going on with my friend? What was driving his working out? It wasn't because he wanted to be healthy. It wasn't because he wanted to be strong. Those are not bad things, right? Um, it was because he was afraid, <laughs> Because he never wanted to be in the position again where someone could just beat him and put him in that complete situation of helplessness and powerlessness and feeling like there's nothing that he could do to fight back. He almost dedicated his life <laughs> to making that not possible anymore. And in many ways, his working out, which is great, became an addiction. He could not be okay without that. And when he did not feel peace, right, it's because he wasn't strong enough, even though he hadn't consciously connected the dots that God connected for him that day, where he went for peace was to the gym, right? Where he went for security was 
to the weight room, to his biceps, to his amazing thighs. That's where, that's where he drew his literal strength from. And the, the thing is this, <laughs> whenever we're addicted to something in that way, it'll never get to the root cause. It's the nail in the arm. Get, get rid of the stinking nail. Stop taking painkillers and cleaning it up. Get rid of the nail, man. You've got to get rid of the nail before you'll ever get, get better. The essence of addiction is this. The addiction itself becomes an idol. And it becomes that place where we go to peace, for peace, for security, for answers, for help. Things are bad, we turn to the altar of addiction instead of dealing with the real problem head on. May not even realize what is really driving us. It's not alcohol, it's not porn, it's not work. The problem of idols of addiction is this, they don't ever answer in a lasting way, right? They don't ever answer in a lasting way. Uh, my friend, even if he worked out his entire life, eventually he's going to get old, <laughs> right? Eventually he can't lift the weights anymore, right? And what's he going to do when he's old? He's going to be afraid unless he deals with that. He's going to be as scared a person as you've ever seen in your life unless he's able to deal with the thing in his head that's driving him. And the nature of idols of addiction is they almost always make the real problem worse. Take the example of, of porn. Porn's not a thing. I mean, we're, we're, we're all adults in the room now. Can I just say this? We've all seen a boob. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, we've all, we've all seen one. Like, come on. It's not, not that big of a deal. Like, you know, seriously. It, it's, it's an image. It's a thing on a screen. It's a thing on a sheet of paper. It's, it's, it's an image. It's not real. Why do people turn to porn? There's lots of reasons. Lots of reasons. One of them is loneliness. <laughs> so, so think about what porn does in the real world. Someone is by themselves, isolated, looking at something and, and creating a false mock intimacy for a few minutes and then it's done and it doesn't work and it further isolates them from people, <laughs> right? Because it's shameful. Even in our enlightened age of sexuality, it's still pretty shameful. And, and it, it further separates us from real contact, from real human contact. And there are husbands who are in an otherwise happy and healthy marriage who go to porn and it disconnects them from their wife sexually. Stop that, right? It's bad for us. And the thing about addiction is, is like my friend Rick, like the idea of porn, if you look at it, if you shine a light on it, that's stupid. I mean, like, that, it doesn't help the loneliness. It just makes the person more lonely and more isolated and more disconnected. It doesn't fix the problem. It feels better for a minute, but then it just turns. <laughs> it just turns. And like a drug addiction, it just, it just continues and it never, it never satisfies the problem. I uh, knew a pastor in, in Oklahoma City, in fact, uh, the guy who did the series that this is, this is based on, um, he, dude's a workaholic. I mean, he, he is. He works hard, um, sometimes too hard. Uh, when I was there, they were having trouble <laughs> having enough service. They were actually having six and seven services, and he was preaching them all, like six or seven messages a weekend. That's crazy. That's just nuts, Right? And, and what he came to realize is that he was trying to prove his worth by his performance and production instead of taking his identity in Christ. And a lot of us are there, right? If we fail, we're not worthy of love. So we try really hard to succeed so that people can look at us and like us, maybe even love us, based on what we do. <laughs> Listen, it's a trap. It's a trap. Because if you become a workaholic, again, you're, gonna, you're, you're not spending time with the people that you want the approval from. Who do you want the approval from? Your boss, 
Your boss is not going to be there on your deathbed, probably, right? right? Your boss is not going to be there when you get cancer. Your boss is not going to be there when, when things get hard. When a parent dies, boss is probably not taking you to the airport. I mean, maybe they are, but probably not, right? The, the people that are most important in our lives need us, and we have to find a balance. And, and to take away, working hard is not a bad thing. Working hard is good. But when we take the good and put it in the place of God, it, it, it takes a weird turn, and it actually does things that are very destructive to us. So looking at beating addiction. Second Corinthians says that, that we beat addiction by using weapons that God has made for us, and it's all in the realm of our mind. So we have to think about it differently. So here are four things we can do. One is this. Admit the problem to yourself, right? Judge it. Call it what it is. Call the spade a spade and go, you know what? I'm looking at this. I'm shining a light on it. It's not healthy. It's not good. I don't want it. It is, a pro- it is, in fact, a problem, okay? The second thing is this. Structure your environment to help. If you're overweight, don't have snacks all over the house. You know, don't, don't put them where you can get them on the way to every time you leave the room to the thing. Don't have, you know, Oreos and milk available 24-7. Or guess what? You're never going to get out of, of the thing. If you have a drug problem, just make sure you're around unsavory people and have lots of money in your pockets because, you know, bad things will happen. Structure your environment. Do practical things to stay away as much as you can from the object of temptation. It's just smart. It's just practical advice. The third thing is this. Tell someone you trust. (laughs) And can I say this out loud? Be careful who you tell, right? Not everyone is equally trustworthy in your life. Some people will use that knowledge against you to hurt you, right? To get the promotion instead of you, to damage you and your relationships. Find someone that you trust, that you deeply trust, and come clean, all the way clean. Tell them the stuff that you would never, ever want published on CNN, right? And, and let them hold you accountable. Meet with them regularly. Check in once a week or how, however often it takes, right? Depending on the nature of the addiction, it might be daily. But find somebody that you trust, somebody that's not going to stab you in the back, somebody that is going to be there for you, someone that you can be completely honest with and tell them. Get it out into the light. The fourth thing is this. <laughs> Pray and step into God's power. Don't do it on your own. Don't, don't feel like you can pull the nail out of your arm by yourself. We're, not, we're often not capable of escaping these kind of things. James says, confess your, your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. These things, are, they have to be done in community. There are so many addictions that take the form of a drug addiction where there's a physiological component, there's a psychological component that not only can we not see clearly, but we can't escape it ourselves any more than we can flap our arms and fly around the room, right? We need help sometimes. We need help. Part of that help is that the community that God's given us, part of that help is the divine power that God gives us to break the addiction. Deal with it on a spiritual level, not just on a physical, psychological, mental community level. Deal with it on a spiritual level. So I asked you earlier to ponder uh, what it was besides Oreos that had mastered you, and I wanted you to look at that. I want you to think about it. I want you to give it a name if you haven't already. And then... In, in your mind, think about whatever your deal is and ask, what are you offering that God doesn't provide? Look at the peel. Look at the pill. Look at the bottle. Look at the consumerism. Look at the lust and ask, what are you offering that Christ hasn't 
offered. These things have been our idol. They don't have to be anymore. Paul said to the Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't do it. (laughs) For who the sun sets free is free indeed. We'll know the truth. The truth will set us free. And the truth is this. We're all vulnerable. Everybody in this room, everybody outside of this room is vulnerable to different kinds of addictions. We're all vulnerable to putting something besides God in the place of God that we turn to for peace and for security. When we look at what has a hold on us, we look at the one who saves us, we understand that God has more power than the thing that holds us, (laughs) right? The one who loves us is more powerful than the thing that keeps us in bondage. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us take the brave and scary step of being honest, first with ourselves and second with other people, third with you. Lord, I pray that you would just let us shine the light of truth on the things that we would naturally want to keep hidden uh, from ourselves, from each other, that you would set us free, that you would help us realize that the thing that, that we're tied to isn't the thing, but there's a root cause behind it that's driving us to the thing. And, and Lord, I pray that you would just supernaturally, somehow, through uh, just divine insight, through conversation, through a dream, draw us into a place where we can realize what it is that's hurting us and keeping us from you. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage and the power to identify it, to break it, to stand against it, to make decisions, to pray, and to ask for help with the thing that besets us. Father, I just thank you that you love us, that you want us to be free, that you want us to live life in a way that's amazing and full. And Lord, I I just speak a blessing over everyone here in the sound of my voice that you would supernaturally give them power to identify and resist any addiction, anything that would hinder them from you. In Jesus' name.